Well, welcome to part nine of ten in our series uh, in Romans one to seven. And so far the message has been this, that you and I are far worse than we think. Uh, but the gospel is far greater than we can imagine. Uh, Today we're in Romans 6, and uh, Paul wrote Romans 6 uh, because he wrote this in Romans 5. Where sin increased, he writes, grace increased all the more. That is, God's grace to humanity will always be greater than humanity's rebellion against God. But Paul anticipates how this might lead even us to abuse this grace. And so... uh, Right, give us an inch and and we'll take we'll take a mile. And so Paul asks this right at the beginning of chapter six. Ben covered this last week, right at the beginning of chapter six. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And uh, Paul's uh, answer is an emphatic by no means. Why? Because we have died to the law, but we are alive to God. And so, as Paul will later put it in Romans, we're to offer our lives as living sacrifices. We have a new incentive for godly living, and that is gratitude to God for what he has done for us in Christ. And then Paul finishes that first half of chapter 6 with these words in verse 14, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. And this is the perfect segue for him to develop his next illustration. Um, But he first asks this other rhetorical question, which sounds very familiar. Verse 15, he writes, What then shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? And so, in other words, if we are no longer under the law, are we free to do whatever we please? Are we free to do whatever we please? And uh, as we shall see, Paul's answer is once again an emphatic, by no means. Why? Because we have a new master. When one becomes a Christian, when you became a Christian, there is a transfer from one master to another, from one life to another, from one reality to to another. And in Romans 6, Paul would have us grasp, understand, know the reality in which we live so that we can live according to that reality. And this reality shift can really be traced back all the way to Romans chapter 5, verse 1, where Paul wrote, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that one? The reality was that we were at war with God. But the good news of the gospel is that he has made peace with us through his blood shed on the cross. But often, too often, we can live as if we were still at war with God. As if the power of sin has not been defeated. In 1944, right at the heart of the World War II, 20-year-old Haru Onoda uh, joined the Imperial Japanese Army and he was trained in guerrilla warfare. 
and he was stationed in an island in the Philippines. Shortly after he arrived, though, the island was uh, overran by Allied forces. And so Haru and his small squad of soldiers retreated uh, back into the thick jungle and re-emerged only to, to, to strike small groups of, of enemy troops or, or, even, or even locals. Soon after, though, they began to find leaflets uh, advertising and celebrating the end of the war. But they dismissed it as Allied propaganda. Sometime later, um, messengers came from Japan and they walked through the jungle with loudspeakers, begging these soldiers to give themselves up and return home. But Haru refused to believe that the war was over. As years passed, the rest of his squad died or, or were killed, but not Haru. No, Haru continued to fight, unaware that the world had moved on. And eventually it took his commanding officer, who was at the time retired, working in a bookstore in Japan, to come and track him down in the jungle and relieve him of his duty. And so it was that on March 10th, 1975, Haru marched out of the jungle, aged 52. Thirty-odd years of his life had been wasted. And although he was welcomed home a hero, he later called himself a fool. The war had ended, and yet he'd wasted much of his life living as if it hadn't. The way he lived simply did not match the reality in which he lived. It was peacetime, not wartime. Not the same sometimes be true of us. As I said, the reality was that we were at war with God. But the good news of the gospel is that he has made peace with us through his blood shed on the cross. But the message of Romans 6 is that not only has the penalty of sin been paid, but the power of sin has been defeated. And so we don't have to go on living as we were and so come to call ourselves fools. No, no, no. We can live according to the reality that God has won for us. But we must honestly ask ourselves this. Are we? Are we? And one of the ways in which Paul says that we do not is if we continue to live in sin so that we live as if it were our master and we its slaves. Now, that was a rather long illustration, right? But it's helpful to be able to grasp the absurdity of the line of questioning or the train of thought that Paul is opposing here. Because Paul's first point is this, that we're all slaves 
Right? We're all slaves to whomever or whatever we offer ourselves to, to whomever or whatever we serve. Verse 16, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. By the way, in Paul's context, this was a perfect illustration. It was estimated that around half of the population of Rome were slaves of one sort or another, right? Some were born into slavery, some were forced into slavery. But more to the point, many sold themselves into slavery for safety and security. In our context, this illustration has a potential to be misunderstood. But first century slavery was not 21st century slavery. It wasn't race-based, for example. There was a base wage. But nevertheless, it wasn't always a pretty picture. The key to your experience was the kind of master that you had. The key to your experience was the kind of master that you had. And Paul says, actually, there are really only two masters one of which, one or other of which, all humanity serves. Sin which leads to death, or obedience which leads to righteousness. And the truth is that actually we're all becoming more slavish. <laughs> Couldn't think of a better word. We're all becoming more slavish in one way or the other. Uh, verse 19 just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to an ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. You see, neither slavery is passive. There is either an ever-increasing wickedness or a righteousness leading to holiness. Here, holiness can be translated as, <clears throat> as sanctification. That word came up last week, didn't it? Sanctification is the process um, where we become increasingly Christ-like, that is, increasingly obedient to the will of God. Now, obedience is not a very popular word today, is it? But fundamentally, Christianity is a call to slavery. It is a call to total, radical, exclusive obedience. It's become something of a cultural obscenity nowadays. But that is exactly what the grace of God calls for. Out of gratitude for what God has done to, for us in Christ. A total, radical, exclusive obedience. We're all slaves. Right? And we're all becoming more slavish. The key to your experience is a kind of master that... You have. The key to your experience is the kind of master that you have. And Paul calls us to obey our new master because although our old master promised comfort and uh, approval and control and power and freedom, it brought shame and will deliver death. He writes, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you were now ashamed of? Those things result in death. Someone has kindly illustrated these verses for us in this, in this meme here. 
what sin promises versus what sin delivers. Right? That is a reality of where sin will lead you. But our new master, verse 22, our new master promises us the world, quite, quite literally. Promises us the world, but brings holiness and delivers eternal life. See, the truth is that actually in slavery to God, there is this profound freedom. A freedom to obey. A freedom to be who it is that you were made to be. There's a story told of uh, an eagle that was captured. I think this is a true story. I think it happened in outback Queensland of all places. But an eagle was captured, a majestic eagle. And it was captured and it was um, tethered to, a, to a, a post in an inn, right, as a tourist attraction. People would come as they passed through. People would come and see this magnificent bird and all it would do is, would be to walk round and round the post to which it was bound. One day, a new owner comes. He says, of course, he must free this thing. And so a loud crowd gathered, expecting to see the bird fly off in a distance. But when its leash was cut, it continued to walk round and round the post to which it was bound. That is the picture of the sad reality of the Christian who continues to live in sin. We've been set free from our old master and have found true freedom in Christ. To keep walking round and round that old post is absurd, right? Well, it would be difficult to find a better verse to summarise the message of Romans 1 through 6, actually, um, than this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. There really are only two masters, one or other of which all humanity serves. And notice here that sin will pay you your wages. That is, it will pay you exactly what it is that you deserve. But God, he will give you a free gift. That is, he will give you exactly what it is that you do not deserve. But as how we live as followers of Jesus matters, right? It matters. Jesus is both our saviour and our Lord. It would be an insult to abuse such amazing grace. But we must honestly ask ourselves, are we? Are we abusing this, this grace? So here's the question that I want you to be thinking about, praying about this coming week. Is there a controlling sin in my life that I commit all too willingly because I'm counting on God's grace to forgive me? Is there a controlling sin in my life that I commit all too willingly because I'm counting on God's grace to forgive me? Now, you and I, we're going to continue to wrestle with sin, okay? 
And we're actually going to wrestle with that particular question, that particular topic next week in Romans 7. But we're going to continue to wrestle with sin. But why continue to live in sin so that we live as if it were our master and we its slaves? Why live as if we were still at war with God and the power of sin has not been defeated? Because the message of Romans 6 is this, that not only has the penalty of sin been paid, but the power of sin has been defeated. And so we don't go, have to go on living as if we were. And so we come to call ourselves fools. Now we can live according to the reality in which God has won for us. God would have us leave behind our old master and its ways because as we've seen tonight, ultimately it's just not going to do us any good. Some time ago um, in London, England, there was an old woman who day by day she walked the streets on which she lived. And she was actually became quite well known uh, for carrying around plastic bags full of trash everywhere that she went. And she was also notorious for pestering those who, had, who, who would pass her by uh, for cash. And she became quite famous uh, for how she would treat the people who refused uh, her. So you would imagine that uh, she didn't make many friends. And so when she did pass away, again, you'd imagine that her funeral would be quite a small occasion. But actually, there were a surprising number of people there. Many dozens of, of well-dressed relatives and dozens and dozens of lawyers. As it turns out that while the woman was living on the streets, she'd inherited this huge fortune, including a very luxurious apartment which was filled with dozens of extremely valuable paintings. But strangely, it's not as if the woman didn't know this, strangely the woman had chosen to continue to live on the street, just her and her plastic bags full of trash. God is asking you to leave behind the trash in your life so that you can take hold of all the good that he has in store for you, both now and forevermore, ultimately in an extraordinary inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, that though we used to be slaves to sin, the gospel has now claimed our allegiance and we have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness that leads to holiness, that leads to eternal life. Father, may we live and reflect the reality in which we live, the reality in which you have won for us on the cross, where not only the penalty of sin was paid, but the power of sin has been defeated. Pray this in Jesus' name.